You really think we're spinning in a circle? Yeah. Like, I, why would I doubt that? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes... I don't know. Of all the things for people to lie about, why would they lie about that? You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't, I don't worry about that. Like, some scientist said, "Sun's here, Mars is here." Like, seems silly, right? You think that guy had the same shit storm like as like the vaccine? The like fucking round Earth guy over here. Well, we know that for a fact, right? Like, people were killed over the whole thing which is interesting because it's like now people are dying for being wrong where before they were being killed for being right you guys this is a deep conversation isn't it i'm tapping on the counter yeah we hear you guys don't hear that you're fucking don't hear that your keys are pretty obvious so you guys don't you don't hear that we're not bellboys here's the thing though Come on. We kind of like it when somebody says, hey, or hello, or excuse nah, me. I'm, ta- I'm tapping. I'm tapping. I'm a cool dude. Ooh, look at this guy. You can tell by this fucking duster and this awful tie. Hey. Real cool. Yeah, you what's up? Know, you, you, can't, know what? hey, you can't smoke in here. I can smoke anywhere, dude. This ain't cool. the 90s, dude. Get, I'm cool. You're put cool. It out. No, I'm not going to put it out. You guys know what I like about this video rental store? The Sibian? Are you going to tell us? Proximity to the park. <laughs> That's true. Do we need to call the cops? You guys know how much trim is at that park? <laughs> I mean... I'm guessing it's a lot of muffin tops, if you know what I mean. You guys ever leave this store? I mean... Terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I pretty much open and close, but... <laughs> there are chicks everywhere, dude. All around this place. Aren't you married? Yeah. Bro. You got a ring on. on every finger. My, you know, my old lady, she, she was laid up with some kind of disease or something. Or something? <laughs> what? Yeah. That's fucked up. I was making out with all the nurses, dude. Shouldn't you be at the hospital? Yeah. No, she's already, she's gone, dude. <laughs> like, she left because she feels better? Yeah. Or? I was. I was making out with this hot lady doctor. Right? Her eyes popped. My wife's eyes popped open. She died right then. You were making out with a doctor in front of your wife. Oh, yeah. So that's the last thing your wife saw before she oh, died. This guy gets it. How do you? How does that make you feel? I'm cool, dude. Like I said, I'm over at the park. I'm, You know, I'm getting around. Damn. You guys got a... You know, any kind of, like, skin flicks or something. I'm trying to get my lady, a new lady, in the mood. Well, what kind of mood? Like, just a confused, weird mood. Yeah, there's savage bisexual porn. Savage streets. Let's just throw savage streets at this fucking guy. That one might be a little too aggressive. You know, I'm still trying to think, think, lighten the candles, think getting romantic instead of... uh, Like twice dead, then. You know, I don't know. You know, that these might ladies be, in the park, yeah. I don't know what they're into. Yeah, I think you went too goofy there. What about a slumber party massacre? No. Dude, let's cut out some of the killing. Okay, so you want you want sex but no killing. 
a little. You can mix in a little. A little killing. You might need to go to the room in the back. You How know, much cash I'm, you got on you? Uh, let me look in my pocket here. <laughs> Fuck! Ugh. My eyes! <laughs> you like that? My eyes! You like that? What was that? I keep a bunch of sand in my duster pockets. Pocket sand? Like yeah. Fucking priest that came here the other day. God damn. Yeah, but this is worse. This is sand. <laughs> Dude, I think you should leave. That was fucked up. Did you get I that? Don't. Did you get that out of the the um the ditch there? <laughs> no, I got my own sand. Okay. Who so carries load, sand in their pocket? I load up my pockets each morning. Oh my what are God. you, a four year old? <sighs> Stop it! You, you, you rent Slumber Party Massacre or not? No, I don't want that one. Oh, you know what? I, I watched that that one that Jerry brought in the other day. You mean the one that just goes? Just goes? The, the kidnapped kids and shit. Yeah, wow. nothing turns ladies on more than kidnapped kids. You it like, could work. You like clocks? Oh, <laughs> you... You're talking my language. No, I said clocks. Oh. A little less, but you're still talking my language. Yeah, ring him up, dude. All right, let me just uh, reach in this other pocket. Dude, is that chloroform? That is is way too much for this room. It's not vented. I saw what you did. You you were the first one to smoke. Fuck. Yes. Okay, now I get this movie and I get to keep my dollar. On this week's episode of Five Day Rentals, we watch Raising Kane. everybody this is five day rentals we are a movie podcast believe it or not first one of its kind uh the three of us we all watch movies those movies have to fit into a category uh this category is mental issues picked by me i'm cron i'm joined as always by bones hey man and laundry dan howdy how's it going in the laundry biz dan uh, you know, rich as shit. Shit, dude. Congrats. Barely any overhead, you know. I feel I'm like a- the overhead would be <laughs> like the building itself, but... That's it, you know. Now, as you Maybe start you're- to transition into the fall season, do you foresee more leather jackets to be washed? I got a duster special going on right now. <laughs> oh, do tell. How much does it cost to clean a duster? Oh, that's one of the more expensive uh, dry cleaning items that would, uh, in the dry cleaning world. Well, you did just say you had a special going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, usually duster's going to run you anywhere from one twenty to one fifty. I'm doing it for fifty bucks. Come on down. 
Wow. That's a deal. Bring three of your dusters down. It only costs what one would cost normally. Yeah, not many people wear them these days, you know. I like I like a starchy duster. Mm-hmm. Super stiff. Because you can use it as a kickstand if you get tired. You can just kind of lean into it. Yeah, I like to take my duster off and have it standing in the corner while I sleep. I don't think TP. You, I don't think you guys have dusters, but uh Santa Claus might be good to you this year. Yeah, Listeners, we, get ready for the duster tour. Considering the eBay and Amazon games that have happened behind the scenes already this year, we might need to have some Christmas discussions to keep our spouses from getting upset. I don't believe in Christmas. Oh, okay. Well, I know a couple guys that are receiving Pinocchio's Revenge this Christmas. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully that's the next cate- or your next category and we get to it before that. We'll get to it sometime soon, don't worry. Uh, but that's a future discussion. This is Mental Issues, and I have selected the movie Raising Cain by Brian De Palma from 1992. Guys, I won't ask you right off the bat if you enjoyed this or not, but do you think this is the best display of John Lithgow's talents? No. Wow. I'm a third, I'm a, I'm a third rock from the sun guy. Laundry Dan. Uh, he expands many centuries, and uh, I mean, you get have four different characters here, five. I think you get five. Yeah. So I mean, it proves that whatever you need done, he could probably fucking do it. Hmm. So, I mean, well, kind of, I guess, maybe, I don't know. This is a lot of Lithgow, I will say that, you know. I think this, followed by Ricochet, and then maybe I'd put Third Rock. Yeah, he's pretty fucking bonkers in Ricochet, too. Mm-hmm. Cl- I, cliffhanger, I think, nails that, like, that tone. Like, Oh, it, yeah, I forgot turn, about Cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I think we've talked about it before. He was Tim Burton's first choice for the Joker. Yeah, I remember you telling me yeah. that. That's he's all real, I thought about this viewing. He's pretty good in uh, Perry Mason, uh, the HBO show. If there's test footage of him as the Joker, I'd love to see it. Yeah. You really get a sense for... Uh, how large of a man he is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, dude got some, he's almost got some bone size hands, I think. He's he's pretty close to me, I think. He might be a little bit bigger in the hand. So. What do you think he is, six six foot? I think, yeah, he's over six foot, I think. Yeah, but, I'd say. Mm-hmm. When he's smoking I, that cigarette in the motel room. Those things look like little fucking uh, Virginia Slims. I I did read a thing that he's one of the nicest actors to work with. I believe it. Like, he's super kind to everyone, like, talks to the whole cast and crew. 
he would make like little doodles and just hand them out to people, like everyone that worked on the film. Do you think that was after Footloose when he just he didn't want to be stereotyped as like an evil, like no fun preacher? Like, man, I better counteract this. I don't know. I think he's just a kind man (laughs) from like the stuff that I read about him. Right. But he does play a good bad guy. I think De Palma had a good sense of how to use him in different movies. I think I've seen all three of the De Palma and Lithgow films. Could the you other re- two, remind me what the other two are? The other two are Blowout and Obsession. Oh, I forgot he's in Blowout. Mm-hmm. He's like the main bad guy in yeah. Blowout. Fuck. Well, uh, <clears throat> do you guys just want to jump into this plot? Oh, Kron, I want to jump in real quick with some uh, dead-ass uh, info here. Uh, we are going to be covering mental issues for the next three films. And uh, we are going to be dealing with some mental issues from characters in all these films. So I would like to put out to the listeners the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline if uh, any of you listeners are going through some shit and uh, feel like offing yourself. That is 1-800-273-8255. So uh, don't feel bad if you need to reach out for help and get it if you need it. I know we say some fucked up shit every once in a while, but uh, we're just doing our part. But yeah, that's it, you know. Good job, Dan. I I had the same thought. Because uh, Lord knows I say only a fraction of the terrible fucking things I think. So. (laughs) But yeah, man. Fucking indulge us. Mm -hmm. You guys ready to get into this bonkers film? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. Would you guys describe this as a bonkers film? I'm glad you said it before I had to. Absolutely, yeah. What would you like lump into the same category as this movie? (laughs) That's a good question. What is as off the rails as Raising Cain? You know my gut reaction, and I know it's going to piss you off. Okay. Uh, Nothing but trouble. Wow. That does piss me off. (laughs) Dan, do you have a better answer? Um. Well, I, I we discussed pre pre pod that I recently finished malignant and i think that kind of is a good double feature to kind of go with this it's pretty bonkers and off the wall but i don't know like fear and loathing maybe i mean not the same uh a a terry gillum is is there for sure like uh not as imaginative but yeah Still the same crazy ass. 
there's a story there and you're going to get there, but <laughs> where you go, that's a <laughs> mystery. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited to get to the end of this and, and find out how you rank this Kron having watched this several times and now putting it against the other BDPs. So, okay. Uh, do want to point out, I'm pretty sure we have all watched the theatrical cut of this film. I was going to ask correct? you about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So I watched the theatrical for this rewatch. Uh, I have watched the director's cut before, which really only there's no additional footage. It's just the scenes rearranged. So you basically have watched the same movie. It pushes more of Genius. the wife's story into the front of the film. But we all watch the theatrical, so that's what we'll be covering on this episode. Cool. All right, let's get into it. So we open on some grainy security camera footage with uh, the credits rolling over the top. Does he beat his own record? I think this is with the earliest. Security. Yeah. Yeah, I think in Femme Fatale, it's pretty early. I mean, the credits might be ending, but this one opens with security cameras. So I, I think this is his earliest use of it in a, in a film. But a, a De Palma staple at this point. Gotta have it. Uh, after we get that bit, we cut over to a park. Uh, John Lithgow approaches a mom. He asks her, are you taking off, Karen? Do you need a hand? Uh, we, uh, Lithgow is Carter Nix, so that's probably how I'll be referring to him through part of this. Uh, Carter has his daughter with him. He mentions to Karen that his wife Jenny was supposed to pick them up about 30 minutes ago, and Karen offers to give them a ride. So we cut over. We're in the car now. Uh, Carter and this lady are talking about raising children. She says that she's read all the books and gets plenty of free advice from her mother-in-law. This prompts Carter to say, well, my father practically wrote the book on child development. Fortunately, it's in Norwegian. Uh, Carter also mentions that they're taking their daughter to his dad's child development center in Norway next week. And you and Sam should come along. So just <laughs> invite someone to up in their life in less than seven days. And we have no idea what the relationship is with this woman. Like it could. No. It, we at this point, it's just another lady who brings her kid to the same park. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's all. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is the correct assessment. <laughs> Uh, Karen's not having any of this. She doesn't see why that's important. Uh, Carter starts sneezing at this point, and he's getting more and more aggressive as the ride goes on. Uh, Carter keeps sneezing, and then he finally blows some sand into Karen's face. She's temporarily blinded, and they pull off on the side of the road. Where did he have this? Like in his pocket? Yeah. You don't you don't dedicate a pocket just to saying, dude? Nah. Good old dust in the eye trick. Dude, that's mistake number one. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, how else are you supposed to know where, like, the air is venting out of a secret room? Mm -hmm. Or just if you do need to temporarily blind somebody, you're going to be thankful you got that sand with you. Yeah. Or if you're maybe caught in a time loop and you need to throw some sand on the floor because your future self is um, telling your daughter um, coordinates. Mm -hmm. How much sand is it? Is it a full pocket? Half or just half a well that what it that's in my pocket, yeah, you know how much how much am I supposed to put when I head out for the day? you fill your left front pocket full of sand, yeah however however big your pockets are, and then you can just is this on like a jacket or jeans, dude. Don't leave your house without sand. <laughs> I, I don't. I can't believe I have to say this. A duster. It's in your duster. <laughs> you could get a lot of sand in a duster. <laughs> All right. So uh, Carter says that he'll help this lady, but he just ends up chloroforming her instead. Now, do you guys think that he should have just had knockout sand with him? You could have cut down a step. Uh, yeah. Just soaked it in chloroform. I think, yeah. I think he knocked out everybody in that car. He used a lot of that chloroform. Well, that was going to be my next question. Do you think just putting chloroform on a rag inside of a car without windows open is enough to to knock out everybody? He poured a shitload out of that bottle. I was like, oh, well, shit, his, everybody's going out. Yeah. And the whole time the kids are just fast asleep. Mm -hmm. That was my I, thing. Was shut the fuck up. They're sleeping. Like. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, I'm pretty sure whenever I fall asleep in a car, anytime it pulls over to the side of the road in a jerking motion, that wakes me up. Or just all the screaming this lady was doing. That's true. <laughs> having sand thrown in her face. Uh, so Carter, he's got this lady chloroformed. She's passed out. He and, and notices. Sorry, at no point does she go, like, that came out of your nose? Like, this came out of your mouth? Like, how gritty is your snot? Yeah, she never like, she, she's it. Yeah, she's quite calm. Mm-hmm. There's just rogue saying that appears sometimes you know i mean that's a ballsy move especially when the person you're trying to do this to is operating a vehicle they could have went anyway he's got to get this kid man yeah dude <laughs> gotta get that kid this could have went a castle freak way like just you know uh so as this lady's passed out uh, Carter notices some joggers quickly approaching, and Karen falls onto the horn, so it's blaring now. Then we hear, kiss her. This is another version of Carter standing in in the passenger's window. Uh, this is a real bad boy Lithgow here. We've got a leather jacket. We've got some tough guy glasses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy says you got about five seconds before those joggers see you. You better kiss her. 
So Carter does, and as the joggers go by, they see the scene, think it's just a couple making out with two little kids in the back seat, I guess, mm-hmm. and decide to go on their way. Uh, this bad boy Lithgow, he gets into the car, says that he just saved Carter's ass, and he also mentions that these two are twin brothers. So at this point in the film, that's what we're to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane and Carter drive on. Kane says, uh, what you're doing means everything to the old man, so don't fuck it up. Kane is the tough guy version of Carter. Uh, Kane and and Carter discuss what's going to happen to Karen. Carter doesn't want to hurt her, but Kane says she'll wake up and ruin everything, and he's going to take care of it. And he does have a valid point. Like, Carter is basically saying, I'll just go drop this lady back at the park, and -hmm. then she'll wake up. And Kane is like, no, then the cops are going to show up at your door today. Sir, did you blow dusty snot into this woman's face mm-hmm. I uh a John Lithgow impression is pretty hard to do but in this scene it was the it was where I was really trying to to, to hone in on it and man I, yeah, I just couldn't do it but it was the um I don't need you line <laughs> like I just couldn't that was the thing I kept backing up mm-hmm. when when Kane's yelling at him like, good thing I showed up. You know, I don't need you. Like, I, I, I can't get it. So I'm not even going to try any more of the rest of the episode. I mean, it is a unique voice, but I agree. It would be a really hard, you know, impression to get right. Because mm-hmm. there's that, like, transatlantic properness that he has to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no way I might... My my register is gonna to get it. Well, he he also seems to me like he comes from stage acting, so like everything is kind of overdone and like really big kind of you know movements and emotion and stuff. Right. And I am quite uh, emotionally uh, fucked up and feeble, so it doesn't quite work. Uh, all right, so we're about 10 minutes into this movie, and we've already uh, chloroformed a woman and kidnapped a child. And this is just the beginning, so this is what we're in store for. Uh, Carter takes his daughter inside and puts her to bed, and this is where we meet his wife, who's Jenny. She pops in and chats with Carter. Uh, he follows her to the bedroom and starts feeling her up. Uh, we hear a baby crying and Carter looks over at the baby monitor, but it's not his daughter. So it's this other kid, which he just left in the backseat of the car. (laughs) Now this was the first video baby monitor. I think just put a giant ass fucking security camera in your kid's room. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're just watching it on a small TV. That's what it's on. Mm-hmm. It's pretty creepy. It's pretty weird. 
so Carter, he gets in his car and drives uh, him and this stolen child over to a hotel. We now see uh, two Lithgows in a hotel room. One's older with a Norwegian accent. I the lo- other, Sorry, I love the uh, shut up he gives to the kid when he gets out of the car. <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> it's your first little hint that he's not who you think he is. Right. Uh, so one of these Lithgows in the hotel has a Norwegian accent. The other one is drinking and smoking. Uh, the one drinking is Kane. He explains to uh, the older one that he had to step in. We're talking about stealing kids and experimenting on them. Uh, the older one is apparently the father of Carter and Kane. Uh, he makes Kane a drink, but as soon as he you know throws it back, he starts passing out. So. Kane has been drugged at this point. Uh, the dad asks Kane if he's spoken to the others, and Kane says, You want Margot to find out about this? Uh, Kane passes out, and the father says, Carter can take care of everything from here on out. We don't need you. I like the Norwegian. Mm hmm. We now cut over to Jenny. She's in some kind of weird shop that seems to sell only cameras and clocks. I wonder how that place is still doing. (laughs) Well, I guess if you sell one really expensive clock a week, you may be all right. It just seems weird that they brought in camera equipment as well. There's a wall that's just like video cameras, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of it seems to be clocks. This is De Palma's personal store. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you know that that how like Barbara Streisand has like her own mall. Have mm-hmm. You ever heard that? Like her closet is basically like a mall. That's what De Palma has. Like he's just got a video store and clock store, security cameras, and mm-hmm. timekeeping, and ticking clocks, mm-hmm. suspense and voyeurism, baby. That's right. So Jenny. Picks up a Tiffany & Co. bedside clock. She likes the way this one looks. Uh, She's going to get it. But we see a man who's tapping his keys on the counter next to her. She looks up and recognizes this guy. Uh, He's staying at the garden court and wants her to come by just to talk. On his way out, he leaves his keys behind. And Jenny picks them up. Man, he really sells the uh, the emotional, tormented, like damaged guy. You know, when he walks mm-hmm. out of here. So this was on purpose, correct? He didn't forget his keys. No, dude, you don't forget your keys. Ah, yeah, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenny also grabs another clock to buy after this guy exits, so... Here comes my first issue. It's the same fucking gift for the the two guys. Mm Mm-hmm. So why is she so worried about it? You're not gonna buy him a camera, though, off the other shelf. No, it's... (laughs) That's crazy. It's two clocks. So 
if she gave the wrong one to one guy, it, it doesn't fucking matter. But she put notes on them, dude. <sighs> I but guess. She could. Here's the thing. She could have written a new note for the one that says Jack before she gives it to Carter. The no, one going dude. Carter to Jack. Oh, oh, well, you tell him, you know what? I, I thought of you, but I gave you the wrong one. Sorry. I feel like Jack would be like, okay. She could still go back and scratch out Carter or Jack and write Carter on the one. No. Jenny is just as bad as Carter in this film. The Yes. You know what would have made it where you didn't, we wouldn't even have this problem is if she had it like engraved. If she had like a custom engraving on the clock, that would be one thing. But the fact that it's just literally pen on an envelope that she's freaking out about. Which is that lady's fault in that store because she should have asked to, you know, bump up the price. Well, I I think that would make it even worse, though, if you got the clock engraved and then switched them. Yeah, but we'd have a better reason for her to go to the hotel. That's what I'm saying, yeah. That's what I'm saying, because then she can't give the one to Carter that says Jack on it. You can't just rewrite a note, dude. I mean, (laughs) you put a lot of heartfelt stuff in there for your husband and your lover. Because we get a good 10 seconds of her tapping the lips to think about Mm -hmm. what she's writing. So the Palma really shows us that she's putting a lot of thought into this note. (laughs) What a terrible fucking gift. Like... It's the first thing she picks up. Like, this is the one. Mm -hmm. Well, she doesn't even decide. The lady's like, you want me to wrap that up? She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how my dad buys jewelry for my mother. Uh, That one. Yeah, that one's all right. I mean, guys, Christmas is right around the corner. Get your lady a clock and look at the joy on her face when she unwraps it. She didn't give me a clock for Christmas this year. I'm I'm fucking done. It's been nine years. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so she picks up another clock to buy. Um, we cut over to Jenny at home. She has now wrapped up the clocks and is writing some notes out. One to Carter, one to Jack. Ooh. Uh, Jenny sets up a meeting with Jack, and so she sets up the meeting, and then while he's, I guess, out going to attend this meeting with her, she sneaks into his hotel room and leaves one of the gifts in the drawer. As she's putting it in, she gets distracted, and we don't see which one goes in. Mm-hmm. I did notice a uh, a flaw in this. When she's on the phone and leaves the message, she tells the assistant that I'll be in the park at 1. Later, when uh, Jack reads this note, it says I'll be in the park at 2. Not that big of a deal, but it definitely confused me because I thought, oh, was she leaving the note for like another day to meet him another day? But I think it was just, I think this is just a air, like an oversight. See, I thought she was trying to set up two separate meetings. Okay. This one on the front end, and then whenever he finds the clock, another one. Yeah. But how would she know when he's supposed to find the clock? Like how often are you opening drawers in a hotel room? Well, she did set the alarm on it, though, to go off during the night. Oh, good call. Okay, maybe she was trying to set up a secret rendezvous. Mm-hmm. I thought she's she, a whore. 
So she does, yeah, but then because she gets boned in the first meetup, she doesn't need the second one. Well, actually, she can't make the second one because she's. I think her plan was the the first meeting was going to be just some chit chat. The second meeting was going to be the business, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, so Ginny's in the park. She's waiting for her first meeting with Jack. We'll we'll go with that. Uh, and she runs into an old friend. Convenient and friend. This fucking bitch. This friend knows everything, dude. Mm-hmm. We don't ever. We don't have any backstory for them, but this uh, bitch, apparently they're best buds. This bitch is as horny as Ginny. Uh, so, so she does run into her friend. Uh, her friend leads with, you're so lucky to have Carter. He's such a great guy. The perfect man. Yep. This is exactly how I would write female characters in my movie talking about me. <laughs> what a perfect guy you've got. Mm-hmm. You ever seen Kron in a white shirt? Mm. <laughs> so crisp. Uh, Jenny admits to her friend that she saw Jack and she thinks that he's still in love with her. Conceded much? (laughs) He pulled the car key trick. I think he loves me. He he didn't even have to do that. He could have showed up at the park and just been like, Hey. Hey. No, dude, the key thing, that's... That's I'm, slick, dude. I mean, he doubled down for sure, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jenny says that she's here to return the keys. Her friend again reiterates, you are married to the perfect man. <laughs> Jenny mentions Carter has been having some weird behavior lately. He's been taking care of Amy, but not so much taking care of her as studying her. Jack shows up at the park. Him and Jenny go for a walk into a secluded part of the park. They just start having sex, guys. And uh, Jack has a magic mouth because this lady is a moaning. Mm hmm. Jenny uh, sees Carter watching from <laughs> the. The camera starts spinning around, showing her having an orgasm, apparently. <laughs> and. She notices Carter over in the bushes watching them. That's how all my female orgasms are. <laughs> just spin. They just spin confused. around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so luckily at this point, guys, Ginny wakes up from a dream. Uh, she hears Amy crying and looks over at the monitor and Carter's taking care of her. Ginny gets out of bed and realizes that she still has Jack's clock. Is this the narration? Not quite yet. Not yet? Okay. It's almost starting, yeah. This means Jack must have Carter's clock. Oh, I think she does have a little narration here when she first wakes up and is looking at the monitor. Yeah. Yeah. And then she has another bit whenever she's driving. Right, where she's explaining Jack. Mm-hmm. But before the present thing, she starts. She goes on about like I thought it was so weird that he put the the camera mm-hmm. in. Oh well, like 
The only thing that was missing was like the coffee commercial, like the joke from Airplane. Like he never has two cups of coffee at home. Like yep. the way that she's delivering all of it. Okay. Did you guys notice that she had a five day rentals uh, logo on her lamp in her room? What? <laughs> it's just the lamp in her bedroom on her little desk. It just has a number five on it. Guys, this might be proof that we achieved time travel and I went back to the set of Raising Cane. This is the first place I would go. <laughs> of all the places. Yeah. You would, wait this, you would wait this long into our run to do this one. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have gone back. You wouldn't have done no. robot jocks. You wouldn't have slapped a five on nope. one of those robots. Karan, what, you know, uh, what are you typing in over there, Karan? Don't worry about it, guys. We'll be wow. there in a minute. Guys, the future is looking bright. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ginny realizes she's got the clocks backwards, and this is where she, I guess she just leaves her house at, you know, 3 a.m. and <laughs> drives in the middle of the night over to you, Jack's hotel. Well, you can do that in this house. You can just leave. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of shit going on in this marriage. I mean, I can't this, go. This... I can't go in the basement without a hey, like you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. I guess in the time before cell phones, if you just left, your partner was like, "Well, I guess." I guess they had something leaving. going at yeah. three a.m. They might return. I don't know. Yeah, not even an insert of like, "Hey, the hospital just called me." Mm-hmm. Nada. Uh, so over on this drive to Jack's hotel, Ginny explains to us, the audience, who Jack is. And that's only because he didn't know how to write the the friend, like, driving by in another car. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She could have met up with her at 3 a.m., mm-hmm. but it was like, oh, why would they both be awake at this point? Uh, so Jack's wife was Emma, who was Ginny's patient. Emma had a lung cancer, and Jack would come to see her every single night. Jenny's Jenny, a terrible person. <laughs> Again. Jenny realizes from these interactions that she was in love with Jack. Uh, they show a little bit of footage from New Year's Eve as the ball was dropping. Mm-hmm. And of course, Jack and Jenny have no one to kiss, so they kiss each other. At that exact moment, Emma's <laughs> eyes open, and she dies. It's the last thing she saw. It is. It was enough to kill her, dude. <laughs> She'd basically been comatose up until this mm-hmm. point, but... Her heart was already so weak, and now I it's mean, been broken. It takes two to tango, but Jenny is... She's a horn. Awful. She's a dog, man. She's a dog. So Jenny sneaks into Jack's room. He's asleep in bed. Jenny tries to swap out the clocks, but Jack grabs her and throws her into bed. They make love again. I've done that to all my home intruders. (laughs) Well, you're already sleeping naked. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to fuck them. (laughs) 
It's not gay. This is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Hey, you walked in here, buddy. <laughs> uh, Ginny wakes up and it's the next day. She has fallen asleep after this passionate lovemaking. Ginny calls her friend Sarah on the way home, who informs her that Carter's been trying to find her. Uh, Ginny almost runs into a bicycle race <laughs> that is happening in the streets. And she loses control of her car and impales herself on the sword of a statue. Which she passes earlier on the way to the hotel room. Mm-hmm. We do get a nice glimpse of that. Seems like at some point when you were planning out the city, though, you would say, "Let's not put that by <laughs> facing traffic. Let's not put this sword at windshield level." Maybe somebody might run it. Ah, we're all right. Uh, guys, luckily, Jenny wakes up again from a dream. <laughs> I love that they put two dream sequences back to back, dude. It's perfect. <laughs> How many? What was the first movie to do the double dip on the dream? Would it be A Nightmare on Elm Street? Inception. Bonk. No. This predates Inception. Yeah. Bonk. We had to do two there because neither of you did one on the interstellar sand bit. So it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking because surely back. Nightmare's got you know, a double dream thing, but I totally I mean, forgot about it. Then on this viewing, I was like, son of a bitch. Like <laughs> what better way to trick your audience though, than to have your character snap out of one dream only to snap out of another dream. Mm-hmm. We we've had a double dream on five day rentals already. No, I think we have. All right. Let me throw some stuff out there. Twice dead. Amsterdam. Mm-mm. I could have swore we've had a double. Oh well. Oh well. I don't. We'll figure it out. I'm gonna slap. Yeah. Stop the flow here. Well, we don't even know. We don't even know what movies had hot dogs in them. Do you think we can? We pull know. The knowledge There's so of a many. We dream? can't keep up with it. At a certain point. We know. We just haven't had time to sit down and do it. Mm-hmm. Too busy watching Raising Kane twice. Jenny wakes up from her second dream, and she's luckily in bed with Carter. Carter notices that she's having a nightmare and says he'll go get some water for her. Jenny, at this point, runs over and checks the gift, and luckily, she has Carter's, guys. No worries. Does he ever open his gift, Carter? No. Uh, He's got other stuff going on, dude. You can- That's <laughs> why you as a viewer know... That's why you like Jack more, because he actually opens the gift and appreciates it. Mm-hmm. Carter never does, because he's a bad man. Carter's out there snatching kids up, dude. Mm-hmm. Can't be old. Who cares about a clock at that point in your life? Mm-hmm. Kids can't tell time. It's useless. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter says that he's going to... He, he's thought about it, and he's going to pick up his practice again. He's going to go back to work. Uh, and then at this point, he smothers Ginny to death with a pillow. <laughs> uh, C- 
Carter has a flashback of seeing Ginny and Jack in the park together while he's smothering her to death. And then we cut over to Carter. He's in the park now. Some lady approaches him and says that she needs a ride. I guess all the parents that frequent this park all know each other Yeah, pretty well. And only a third of them have cars. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, true. what the fuck's up with this park? Because apparently everybody just forgets you if you, they drop you off there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this movie, you know, it's so interesting. There's all this stuff about clocks, but it's like time has no value here. Um, the location is ambiguous at best. And everyone's willing to give you a ride. This whole town is really a park, a statue, and a hotel. Did anybody get kind of like a lifetime movie haze look? Oh, I think it's in. I think it's intentional. Yeah, I, mean, I, was kinda, I think. I was wondering I think that the, too. The stuff with Ginny and Jack feels like a daytime soap opera. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's so heightened and so ridiculous. Like the part, yeah, the part when they go off into where they have sex and shit, I'm like, it just looks like weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this lady has approached Carter. She wants a ride. Carter at this point leaves to, so this is still in his flashback, um, leaves to watch his wife bang Jack in the woods. As he's watching, Kane shows up and offers to sort this all out for him. Uh, There's a pretty funny part here where they're both watching what's happening, and Carter says, like, hey, that's my wife. And Kane goes, no shit. (laughs) You're also, uh, Kane is uh, basically wearing Carter's same outfit. It's Mm. It's just tweaked a little bit more. Whereas the first time you saw him, it didn't seem as obvious. This is mm-hmm. starting to look a little bit more like collars just popped. Yep. Uh, so Kane watches the sex and steals Jack's keys. He's basically told Carter, just, you know, get lost. I'll take care of everything. Uh, Kane returns to this lady who's waiting for a ride. She hands Kane her baby who promptly takes it and loads this child into the car. The mom says she has to use the bathroom real quick, so Kane's kind of standing there. At this point, we see a weird little boy with an adult voice who comes out of the bathroom and threatens Kane by saying, I know what you're going to do. It's a bad thing, and I'm going to tell. It's like the kid from uh, Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. Catching bad men by vehicles, calling them yeah. out. And we don't know where his parents are. Mm-hmm. Right. Did you say uh, Demon Knight or Demons too? I thought I said that Demon Knight. We know where Danny's parents are. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking of Demons too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're at the Oktoberfest. Yeah, they're. <laughs> the dad is not enjoying the Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Can't believe I'm here. Well, my daughter has a birthday party. Treating me like a dog. 
Uh, so this lady comes out of the bathroom and Kane kills her with the tiny little keychain knife that is on Jack's keys. Uh, he loads her into Jack's trunk and returns the coat and the keys to where Jack and Jenny are making love. I can't tell you where I know this 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 like single mom, younger mom that he kills here. I can't tell you where she's from, but she, man, does she remind me of a babysitter I had when I was younger. The one that um, let me watch Fire in the Sky, like unattended. Like, so I was having some serious, like, oh, shit. She would drive me around. She'd listen to the same Guns N' Roses tape, like, over and over. And I'd ask her, like, can we listen to something else? And she'd be like, no. <laughs> uh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it was bringing me. I was like, so there was a little bit of, the, of catharsis when she got stabbed. Like, a, the younger eight-year-old part of me, like, uh was. So oh, you were uh, you were just sitting there, and you're like, nothing lasts forever. In the cold November rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bones woke up from two separate two dreams. dreams. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this song, that song was playing. Slash, oh shit. Kane puts, uh, so Kane has driven back home. He puts Jenny, who's been smothered, into this into the first lady's car, the Karen, who he killed earlier. And he goes and pushes the car into a lake. As it's kind of kind of rolls into the water, it starts to sink and then it stops. And we see Jenny who wakes up and starts thrashing around in the car, and then it we see it kind of go under. Jack wakes up in his hotel room and finds the gift from Jenny. We're back over to Carter. He's talking to the cops and reporting Jenny missing. The cops, they've already been looking into some disappearances from the park, but I guess they've not warned anyone that that's going on. Can you imagine, like, the board that they stick the little pushpins in? <laughs> like, they... that, that park's going to have so many, like, it's going to be too concentrated. You're going to have to have a zoom in. Specific on that park for more pushpins. Hey, Scott. Hey, Scott. Yeah, we ran out of yarn again. God damn it. Can you go down was, and get some more? I was going to say, since it's only the park and not an entire city or state, they could have it at like one to five scale, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they damn, they wouldn't need much yarn. It's just no. there. It's just one. Mm -hmm. What's that tomato-looking thing that your mom had to push pins stuck in? They just have that on the over the park. Yeah, like that's a concentrated spot. Well, why don't they have under undercover dudes there? Just check it. I mean, everybody's walking around in the background. So. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because you can't get undercover kids. You can't have undercover cops at a park because they look fucking creepy. That's true. You know, as a thirty-year-old man with no kids, I can't just go to a park. I don't know. This park seems pretty weird already. <laughs> you could probably blend in at a park yeah. like this. I could probably find a kid at this park, too, at the <laughs> rate that the women are going missing. And a ride. Loose children. And a, Plus, yes, and a ride. I mean, Jack is just going there anyways to fuck in the woods, so it's That's not... True. 
I he's think, just showing up without kids. I think Jack just shows up there every day and he's just fucking all these chicks, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Jack does show up there every day, but he's also probably got a 40% chance of seeing Jenny there. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like out of you know a reasonable thing to do to go check the park and see if you can bang somebody. Plus a cancer patient rarely has just one doctor. So Jack might, Jack might have laid pipe, you know, on several different, you know, on like mm-hmm. radiation techs and sure phlebotomists. So who knows? It's like man, you know, he well, kissed he kissed a phlebotomist on Thanksgiving. You know, the nutritionist. Man, my mm-hmm. wife getting cancer was great for me. So as Carter's talking to the cops, he basically mentions that he has been seeing this guy in the park that looks weird uh, because he's not showing up with any children. Mm-hmm. It's just this weird Cuban-looking guy. Mm-hmm. So the cops set him up with a sketch artist, and they're like, you know, just describe this guy. We'll see if we can find him. At this point, an old cop comes in and mentions that He's uh, so he's in the hallway the whole time, like on a phone. He's on the phone, yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah. there. So we, it's it's another friend in the park. Point like two point Well, he's like, talking so to convenient. somebody. Yeah, he's talking to somebody about the case on that mm-hmm. phone. So this old cop just happens to stroll in from the hallway. What a pathetic and, man! <laughs> and he mentions that that guy looks like. Carter Nix, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he had another Nix case in the past. And this is where one of the cops says, so what did your Dr. Nix do? And the old cop says, we got an anonymous tip that he was buying babies. <laughs> That's a line in this movie, guys. Like you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so old Dr. Nix was caught with five babies and was put on trial, but posted bail and escaped the country. The cops go downstairs at this point. They pulled a car out of the river, so forget this whole Nick's thing. We got to see what's going on with mm-hmm. a drowned individual. Uh, and at this point, they also meet with an old lady who was a former uh, colleague of Dr. Nick's. She just shows up. Like, right? Yeah. Like, can you explain? Yeah. Is there a, a, did I miss a scene that explains her uh, or like? I thought the detective said that he had called her. Okay. T- to come and talk to him as he was talking to the, uh, the older detective guy. Okay. Or the retired guy. I think he says, I, I just talked to his assistant or whatever. No, that's who the, uh, retired guy was on the phone with. Okay. Yeah. So he was on the phone with her, and then she shows up a matter of two minutes later. So he's already figured. So he's already spotted. Oh, this guy looks like her, or like this other guy, and calls the doctor. I mean, maybe she just hangs around the the police station as well. Timeline just seems odd because, like, guys, this is our Velda of the story. Velda does investigation. This woman is. Uh, uh, information dump. Mm-hmm. This woman, 
Yes. She just she doesn't know where she's going either, and yeah. I love it. <laughs> this, this woman doesn't. This woman doesn't need a, a random friend in a park to just tell you shit. She goes off. So this lady does do some heavy lifting of explaining Doctor Nick Senior uh, what his work was and what he was studying, which was multiple personalities. And he had actually created split personalities in one child, which they referred to as Cain. So as Bones was saying, this lady does come in just to basically do a data dump to the audience uh, to fill in all the backstory for you. Now she gives us another very important part to the story that we need. Well, she... She does, but she's just telling us, yes. the audience, yes. all of that information. She is a vessel. She is a combination of things. But mm-hmm. I will say, like, for what the scene is, because it is just someone giving you a bunch of information, I do think that the scene is interesting. It's a really long, unbroken shot mm-hmm. of basically, like, them walking through, you know, this kind of huge building. There's a bunch of, like, camera tricks. She tries to, like, walk in a bunch of different directions. The mm-hmm. other, the cops, like, stop her and get her going the right way. This is my favorite scene of this movie. So they do, I mean, they make it interesting for just giving you a bunch of data in the middle of the film. Mm-hmm. Four minutes and 14 seconds mm-hmm. for this long take. I one of the things I appreciated was the tilt on the stairs. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, that's just subtle, but it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. Uh, so this lady is, ex- is explaining that only Dr. Nix knew the child involved in the study. She wasn't and you know, she was just kind of transcribing information. Um, this lady never met the child. And uh, Dr. Nix caused the personality splits in a child that they referred to as Cain. We now see the lady who they pulled in from the car and they pull back the sheet and it's Karen from the beginning of the film. Covered in snow. Did you get, did you guys think it was Ginny? Well, they want you to think it's Jenny. Yeah, they want you to. But I'm pretty smart, so I'm Oh, we've all already watched this movie before. Yeah. I had an old lady explain the movie to me before I watched it. On an elevator? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, like, walked around the neighborhood. She kept making the wrong turns, though. Uh, I don't know, guys. This might be a good place to go ahead and... Take a pee break. Yeah. All right. Hey, guys. Nate Hands here. Just want to bring you a quick message to say, even though coal is one of our most abundant resources, it really belongs in your furnace and not on your feet. It's disgusting and it can hurt your cuticles. If you'd want more helpful information like this, Make sure you follow 5-Day Rentals on Letterboxd. On your chosen podcast platform, make sure to rate, follow, and subscribe. Or drop the boys a line directly 
by sending an email to five day rentals podcast at gmail.com. Love you. See you in your dreams. All right. Welcome back. We're in the middle of this epic of raising cane. Here we go. Uh, so the cops find Jack. He's in the park. They basically have identified him from Carter's excellent police description. <laughs> Another sketch artist. Do you guys think the sketch artist in this was the girl from Twice Dead? No, because the detective calls the sketch artist, which you can see across the thing. I don't know why he just didn't say, hey, come on in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it's a older gentleman, right? Yeah, it is, but, you know, could have been a nice tie-in for a previous episode. Mm-hmm. We could have just went with it. These dumb, dumb listeners want to know the difference. Oh, way. Quran. I, I mean, at this point, start calling them dumb, because if they start reaching out to argue, at least we know people are listening. Yeah, you, you dumbasses download our episodes off bullpen or whatever the hell it is bullhorn <laughs> bullhorn what a... never mind we love you listeners uh so the the cops have jack they've identified him they bring him over to his car and tell him he better open the trunk he's also got some blood on his duster that he doesn't realize is there uh, once this they is, open the tr- it's that's why it's important to get that duster dry cleaned on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you never know what blood's on a duster. Laundry Dan is offering it for a third of the price right now. Get that blood off your duster. Hey, widowers out there, go get your duster cleaned. Uh, so once they get Jack to open up his trunk, they find a dead lady inside. This is the uh, bathroom kill that he made. Mm-hmm. Bones is old babysitter. Mm-hmm. So Carter's at home. He's watching coverage of Jack's arrest and briefly sees Jenny on the baby monitor. That kind of freaks him out. So he starts walking through the house looking for her. Uh, he thinks she's in the house. She pops up out of the darkness and cuts his wrist with the same tiny knife. This thing is a weapon of destruction in this film, guys. <laughs> it is a keychain Swiss Army knife. That yeah, this thing gets as much can't... use as the rocket launcher and maximum overdrive. <laughs> this tiny knife kills or maims eight different people in this film. That's a throwback. Uh, But Jenny cuts his wrist. She wants to know where Amy is. At this point, Kane shows up, and Carter's talking to him. But Jenny doesn't know who Carter's talking to. This this is also the absolute worst acting in the movie. (laughs) This woman, she's been pretty good up until now, but the her trying to be like a badass here, Mm -hmm. she can't do it. It doesn't work. Uh, She wants to know where Amy is, but Carter doesn't know at all, so he's confused. Um, 
Cain is basically saying she wants to know where the brat is, and Cain is the one who took Amy over to Nick Sr. Mm-hmm. We cut back over to the police office. Uh, we get a little bit more backstory here that Swedish authorities say that Nick Sr. died 18 years ago. Uh They've also let Jack off the hook because Jack he's off. setting with <laughs> he's setting with Ginny at this point in the in the police station. They're, they are spooning. This is what I wanted yeah. to bring up. Doesn't wouldn't this be suspicious to you as a like as a police officer that this woman who is claiming that her husband's a psycho is now with this other guy, like sitting like this, like yeah, okay. Just making sure I'm not crazy. Like, they're like officially together. Yeah, like Instagram official. Oh shit! <laughs> they probably have like one Instagram account for the both of them. Oh, it's sure. even worse, dude. Ginny Jack. and Jack. <laughs> yeah, Ginny and Jack's Instagram. Here's the park where we rekindled our relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like an unboxing of like the new clock that she bought him. Mm-hmm. This is to signify our new start. We're shopping again this Sunday at our favorite store, Cameras and Clocks. <laughs> hey, y'all. We're just here getting matching keychain knives. <laughs> Guess what Jack got me for our anniversary? My own duster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also at this point Carter is being questioned Uh, the lady from earlier who gave us the data dump is Dr. Waldheim and she's put together that Carter is Kane and that Nick Sr. basically broke Carter's personality into a bunch of different you know four or five different personalities so Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Waldheim has figured out that, you know, Carter is Kane from the previous medical study. She explains that Kane basically does all the bad stuff whenever it needs to happen. And Carter doesn't, you know, he kind of checks out when all that happens. And Carter has no idea where the kids are. So we cut over. Carter is setting in an interrogation room by himself, but Kane shows up, and he keys Carter into the fact that there's a bobby pin on the ground. We cut over to Waldheim. She's interviewing Carter via hypnosis, uh, but he's not Carter at this point. He is Josh, who Josh was the little kid with the adult voice who came out of the bathroom. <laughs> Earlier in the film. I uh, know. No. No. Fuck. Uh-oh. No, I've been drinking wine. Uh, no. No whiskey tonight. Just sign the check. This man is a drunk. Moved up from wine to whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I told you to just sign let's, the check. Let's remember how different he is, okay? Don't worry about it. I'm They're covering me tonight. Go. This seems like it's going to go worse than the previous call. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, we might need to... Just give me 10. Just give me 10. Maybe we just hey. send him one of those wine subscriptions, Uh-oh. you know? Oh. Hey, buddy. It's 
Is BDP in the house? Are you guys confused yet? Oh. <laughs> Joyfully. You know, I wanted to do the whole movie as just as Lithgow doing Josh the whole time. What do you think that would that work? Nah. You wanted him to be a little kid the entire time? Yeah, I thought that would be great. Like a little kid would be playing the role of Carter and Kane? No, John Lithgow would just be Josh the whole time in the whole movie. Oh, he'd just be the like a seven-year-old mental capacity on Lithgow. Oh, dude, you should have yeah. put him in those oversized clothes so he looked mm-hmm. like the kid at the end of Big, you know, when he turns back. That would have been you know, cool. Tom Hanks was my first choice for this. Really? really? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You can always get John Lithgow. He's such a nice guy. I love the guy. Uh, I don't you really can always get him. I heard I don't, he does uh, doodles. I heard he does doodles. Oh yeah, I still yeah, got one hanging in my office. It's uh, amazing. The guy's great. He love him. I love him so much. What do you? What did he draw for you? It's just me. Oh, he he drew Brian De Palma. Yeah, he drew me and my uh, ex wife. You know, she produced this. I don't really like to talk about it too much. You know. Oh right. She might try to sue me and take some of my fucking money. Is this the only one mm-hmm. she produced, or yeah, it's the only one she produced. Uh, after this, I was actually cheating on a uh, whilst I was doing this. So uh, this were... is where I kind of got the idea, you know. Oh, you were pulling a Jenny. Hmm. I guess you guys can say that. I mean, uh, you know, I wasn't very faithful. I was a terrible, terrible guy. You know what I'm saying? Shit. How did you, you ever sn- sneak off for a little tryst in the park? Yeah, we just got a hotel room, I mean, uh, and I kind of thought, you know, she would always fall asleep after I made love to her, because, of course, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what if I don't wake her up, you know? I always wanted to add that into a to a movie, and, you know, mm. to each is their own, here we are. Now, how do you feel about the cut of this? It's my understanding that, you you know, you had a different sequence, and then you, you recut it, and... You know, I, this is something I'm going to talk about later. But I mean, how do you feel about this? Um. Well, you know, you guys, I got two words for you. Pete Gelderbrom. He's a super <laughs> fan. Swimming guy. You think you're a super fan? This guy's way, way on another level than you. He actually recut it, and then I, I seen it, and I was like, you know what? Make that the director's cut because that's what I wanted to do the first time. Mm-hmm. Jenny's story is should have been first. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Dude, that's humble as hell. You know, you got to give it, I give it up to, to the people that love me. That's why I come on you guys' show all the time. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like you just got a, you know, somebody basically did your work for you. And then you just kind of said, so yeah, humble. that's cool. So well, you know. Cron Howard, that's just another way to work it around and get a new good paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, fuck. Sure. Shut, shut up, man. What, yeah, have, you, what be... have you done for me? Have you re-edited uh, Carrie for me? My Scarface? No. I haven't seen it. Doing My assistant a, hasn't said anything. I, I, doing a I Scarface a... Carrie mashup right now that I'm working on. It'll never work. You're a wash-up loser. <laughs> washed up. Say hello to my little bucket. It doesn't flow, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, you know. I'm going to send you some pig's blood. You dump it on yourself. Okay. Oh, like a ice bucket challenge? Yeah, kind Can of we, pig bucket challenge. We should bring that back for, um, 
you know, for all this anti-abortion women's rights stuff. Maybe the just ALS ice bucket challenge should be period every, blood. Everybody just dumping blood. I said, on per- them all I said period place. blood. I meant pig's blood. <laughs> I am so sorry. Well, I was going to say maybe I could take the pig's blood and fill up my old high school pool with it and just do laps in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, you a swimmer in high school? You, <laughs> you got a body like a swimmer. You, I can't you not know see I was. It, you lean. Stand up. Let me see you. I'm just, I'm smoothed down, dude. The bones, I think he was a weightlifter or maybe a wrestler. I'm a dirt boy. I've since been told <laughs> mm-hmm. I was a, a dirt boy. Um, mm-hmm. Brian, is 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 there anything that you would That's maybe... Mr. De Palma to um, I thought after a few rounds of whiskey, you'd be on a first-name basis. I'm drinking, I'm drinking whiskey tonight, guys. All right. she's, a, she's on me tonight, Nicole. God damn. De Palma... Um, is there anything, you know, this 30 years later that you would change about this movie aside from the sequencing? Is there, I don't know, would you maybe go back and say, a handwritten note, you can always rewrite that, or, you know, the ridiculousness of a statue with a pointy spear facing traffic? You know, are there anything like that that you would maybe like, ah, it's kind of ridiculous? You always need to be pushing your film forward and that's i think that's i wouldn't change a thing god damn it no wow you know i just gotta say i gotta agree with bdp oh thank you swimming mustache guy wouldn't change a thing either i'm not saying i would i would would, would finally said something smart i would never tell anybody that that their vision was wrong i might just question the execution of said vision so that's that's all. Did it not look great? Uh, are, if you were going for soap opera, looks great. You know, it's the time, 1992. What, what we, am I going to do? We were, as you came in, we were actually talking about a scene that I think is is pretty um, pretty well executed. It's the it's the interrogation scene. Um, I think from a suspense standpoint, it shot pretty well. Oh, is this where the guy falls asleep with the uh, the fucking pin and shit? Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, he's got to find a way out of there, right? We can't have uh, we can't have it all wrapped up in one little. No. Mm. No. I mean, I I do like the with this movie. It feels like <clears throat> you got to a problem in the script, and it was just like, let's not even think about it. Mm-hmm. Let's just keep it. Everything's got to move. You know, you don't give the audience enough time to second guess what they've just seen. I got to move forward on this, guys. I'm coming off of uh, bonfires. Yeah. You know, I got it. It's amazing that somebody allowed you to make a movie after bonfires. Like, it's. But if you look at Hollywood, everybody gets a few chances, you know, so. You know, you know, I did a Mission Impossible. Hey, hand to God, my favorite Mission Impossible. I don't think it's oh, been thank beat. thank you. I don't think oh, it's been you. beat. I think you fucking nailed it. Oh, thank you. I don't hear that very often. Carlito's well, Way, you ever seen that Pacino again? You know, hand to God, it's my second favorite of your, of your flicks, man. Hand to God. So hey. I'm, doing, I'm doing pretty well in my older age, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah, it's, it's just a bummer that you came on this episode. You know, because goddamn, I hope you don't stick around later. 
Oh, well, I, I mean, hand to God, that's my favorite Carlitos Way movie. <laughs> Can't know they made a sequel to that. I would, yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Yours is far superior. Yeah, I never seen it. But yeah, uh, I move. I move on. You know, we just continue to write. We move the story. John Lithgow gives you five fucking characters. I could have put six in there, but I didn't. Uh, I could have had him play Ginny for fuck's sakes. He would have. Oh, I would love to see the being John Malkovich cut where Lithgow plays every single character in the film. Yeah, I've never seen that. You could just do this as a one-man stage show. Yeah. Have Lithgow do everything. Mm -hmm. It it would work. People Mm -hmm. would give him a Tony. You know what you do, what I'd love to see in a one-man show? You know those little things that are like a, a fair... You know, the big the big printouts with the hole where the head would be? Mm-hmm. You just have a bunch of those on the stage. And you got Lithgow hopping just around moves. just doing all of them. I like your, yeah. it'd I like win your a fucking, style. It'd win a fucking Tony, man. He needs a Tony. He needs you an get Oscar. get Lin-Manuel to do the music. No. No. You got to do no. You want to win a Tony? No. Eddie Vedder. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like that Pearl Jam. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. Speaking of moving on, yeah, we got to keep going. Right. So. This isn't on me. I've had three whiskeys already, guys. Uh, usually I come on here and talk some shit about the directors, but it's me, so I can't say anything this time around. Hey, uh, sure. love what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. Uh, Brian De Palma, I have 100% approved this film. Uh, love you, buddy. You guys, have a, you guys have a good night. Later. Hey, Dan. What happened? Oh, BDP stopped yeah. by again, dude. Uh, my bladder and Brian De Palma just are not on the same timeline. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy, man. We got to get your bladder a clock as a gift. so. Mm-hmm. And I'm going <laughs> to can... engrave it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Don't write a note. It wouldn't work. What did he say? Anything interesting? He told us that his wife... Produce this movie. Oh, uh, yeah. That he was cheating mm-hmm. on his wife at the time. So he's a real oh. Jenny. Um, I'm, not a, I'm had, not a Jenny fan. He had three whiskeys tonight. Uh, yeah. I, he's a cheap date because I would have thought he had six. Um, he's, just, he's, just, he's, he's, just so, he's just so humble, dude. Every time he comes in, I can't take it. Some people have it, some people don't. I don't. If you know what, we're not even a year into this show, but the fact that we get somebody of his stature coming in here, like yeah. it, that's how I know we've made it. Like, sure, we only have three reviews on Apple Podcasts. You know, we've barely hit a certain number of downloads. Have anybody even finished a single episode? I don't know. But Brian De Palma shows up. It's like mm-hmm. incredible. They just don't know it yet. They haven't caught that one episode. Yeah, where they he haven't decided to come in. They've never made it that far into mm-hmm. an episode to hear Brian De Palma. I know. I don't. E- I don't even remember what episode he decided to show up on. You know, Dan, he's still alive. But go ahead and tag him on the episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We normally we only tag dead people like Tree Williams, but mm-hmm. no, Tree Williams is alive, guys. Uh, well, we, we don't know. We never that's... get it right. It's, it's not so proven. confusing. Raising Cane. Uh, 
So Waldheim asks Josh where the babies are. Josh starts freaking out and says that Margot's here and she'll protect the children. She was the one who called the police the last time. Josh passes out and wakes up as Kane pretending to be Margot, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waldheim asks where the kids are. Kane basically tells her, you know, come a little closer. Then he just headbutts her. Knocks her right out. <laughs> it's a good move. Kane retrieves the bobby pin and picks his lock. Uh, and then he also picks the lock to the guard station. And the guards and everyone else are just asleep at this point. It's pretty late. Yeah, but, you know, pretty shitty of this police station that literally everyone just takes a nap at nighttime hours. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you feel better if you were a cop sleeping at the police station? Because you're like, eh, everybody's a cop. I mean, we got this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, somebody's on watch. As long as one of us stays awake, then I can sleep. I seen Tom. He was awake when I came down here to sit in this chair. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You just have to hope you don't wake up from a dream and then wake up from another dream. Yeah. You know, you're really That's getting That's the trouble. worst. Yeah. Uh, Jenny's out in like a little corridor area smoking a cigarette indoors. Hell yeah. Guys, the 90s were great, huh? Uh, Jenny sees Dr. Walheim leaving the police station, which is confusing to her. She starts shouting down to her, but Dr. Walheim just keeps going. Um, she looked thick, though, don't she? <laughs> Damn, double Dr. C Dr. Walheim thick. looks a little bigger than she used to be. Uh, we cut over and see the real Dr. Walheim waking up. Her clothes and her wig are gone. We see Kane. He arrives at Nick Sr.'s motel. And there are some guys down below arguing about a work truck that's parked in the lot. And in the bed of it is a giant sundial. (laughs) Wait. You mean like an old school clock? Exactly. Whoa. It's all coming together. The pieces are falling into place. Uh, Jenny calls the police, and she learns that, hey, that's not the real Dr. Waldheim. She's here, bald and naked. Uh, Jenny gets to the elevator, which Kane is also on. He's dressed up as a lady. Uh, And... We do get a... Um, what is this, the thing? <laughs> we, sorry. We, we do get a full-on... It's off-mic joke, sorry. <laughs> pan down shot all the way to Mr. Lithgow's feet. Mm-hmm. I wish they would have slowed that down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lithgow down all the way. <laughs> How you guys doing? Shit. <laughs> Shit. I'm trying to talk about something else. All right. Wait, Nate, what what's movie? up, buddy? What, what movie are you guys talking about? You know what movie we're talking about. I don't know. It just popped in. 
you don't just pop in think, on it on it. I think you're What's the movie? I think you hacked our email chains, dude. Why are you I, playing coy? We're we're talking about Raising Cain by Brian De Palma. Oh. The shot where The shot where John Lithgow's feet are visible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got it on a supercut. <laughs> is, is it the is, theatrical or the director's version? I've got both of them okay. back to back. That's cool. That's cool. It's the same thing, but I love to see it twice. You sound like you're pretty excited about this one. Oh, I get pretty excited every time I see those feet. It's so, so far into us. the movie, though. Like, oh, I guess if you just got the supercut. I got a supercut. Yeah. It's just best feet from the film. Dude, from you, all films. You must have loved it when the GIF came around, right? Like just, anim- just the GIF of just feet. Like you don't just, need actual video files. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I, I guess that's okay. I still like doing my own cuts, though, you know? Are you cutting so, old school with, like, VCR to VCR? Oh, yeah. I'm just... I, I got two decks. Got them linked <laughs> together. And I just... I put a blank tape in, wait for the feed to pop up, and hit record. So are you going to give us a, a, a rating here of uh, Mr. Lithgow's mm-hmm. feet? Sure. I could do that. <laughs> I mean, that's what we pay you to do, sir. Is this okay? Is it is it worth doing? Are all feet going to be a five? Like five out of five. Okay. He's hated every pair of feet that we've had. Well, they're all covered in coal. You picked the grossest feet. That's right. We picked the coal feet. We had a tattooed foot. I will say they're still in the supercut. <laughs> they're, they're still feet. They still made it in. Thank God De Palma got it mm-hmm. right. Not every movie's got a foot. You got to take what you can get. I will Damn. say that as we are doing this experiment more and more, that I do kind of look out for that now. Oh, welcome I, to my world. I'm the absolute opposite. I think I blow. Hey. I think I blow by it. You know, we're going to start calling you Dan Hands if you keep mm-hmm. going like this. <laughs> Please don't. I just need to know what I'm getting into that evening. So, uh, but yeah, let us let us have it, man. Let us just get that uh, get that feet review going. Yeah, I, I already said five out of five. Great, great Damn. foot, big foot, big foot. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> What do you think he's got? I bet it's a size 13, he's 14. A, he's, a, he, he's, a tw- he's a 12 or 13, I think. I think he's probably yeah. got a wider foot. Maybe not necessarily a long foot. Because mm-hmm. if he did a lot of stage dancing and tap and all that, you know, your feet don't really get to thicken out. Yeah, I'd love for him to just love to have those soles crush my body. <laughs> I think he would, too. I think I bet he's into it. He's seems like a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Seems like, you, like he takes care of him as well. He, you know, he did a doodle for me. <laughs> oh yeah, we've heard yeah. this. What did he, did he did he trace his feet? foot and turn it into a turkey? Yeah, exactly. John Lithgow's turkey foot. I when, got it. When did you meet John Lithgow? I followed him. I followed him around on foot. <laughs> oh. Wait, yeah, we haven't ever talked about that. Is that the only way? Yeah, on foot. 
And you don't jog, right? Because jogging implies that there's at one point there's no feet on the ground. So I mean, sometimes the people they start to notice you, and you got to pick up the pace a little bit. It's not my preference, but I'll do it. Right, you definitely stand out. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah, I'm. I breathe really heavily. <laughs> it's hard to hide. So, of all the films that we've covered so far, you're you're ranking Raising Cain top foot right now. Yeah, you guys haven't done any of the QT films, but as of right now, Cain mm-hmm. is the top. I don't know if we'll ever cover a QT. Uh, I don't need to hear you talk for 45 minutes. Yeah, I don't. I. She's well, saying every... Lithgow's our Bigfoot, right, currently. Yeah, Lithgow's foot number one, Bigfoot. <laughs> what do you got, tattoo and then Cole? Or Cole then tattoo? Cole, Cole second. Because you can wash it off. Yeah, the tattoo requires some visits. Yeah, you well, you could just cut it back, cut back the skin. Jesus, flay it. Damn. All right, uh, uh, Mr. Hands, uh, Nate Hands, everybody. Uh, he's All our, right. He's our Thanks foot you, expert buddy. here. Thanks, Dan Hands. <laughs> Glad we're on the same page with these movies. No, don't call me that. Blood Brothers. Now I think. Uh, no. All right. Goodbye. Real character Later, Nate. See you, buddy. Oh, guys, what I miss? How do you leave on your movie? You don't want to like, know. Like, you just left us. I had to us. go to the bathroom. I had to go to the bathroom, dude. Jeez, fucking Nate, Nate Hands came in again. Mm. I've listened back to some of his segments, and they are disturbing. He's a... He is a... Uh, you wonder character. why Dan and I drink so much on these eps. Yeah. <laughs> I I hope there's not a foot in the movie we watch, but goddamn, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, so where are we in this thing? We're in an elevator with uh, the hotel. Right? Yeah, we we're in the elevator. Ginny is in the elevator with Kane. She pulls the same keychain knife out of her purse. We've We've already seen this thing do some damage, dudes. Mm-hmm. So, at this point, I'm kind of scared. Yeah, she's leveled up with this. So, mm-hmm. uh, the elevator door opens. We see Nick Senior, who's holding Amy. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So this motherfucker's real. That's is right. What you're saying? Nick Still alive. Senior wow. is a real guy. It's like you get what I'm saying. It's like a double trick. Hmm. Yeah, I think he does some work to convince you that <laughs> all Lithgows are the same person. Mm-hmm. Then he pulls this switcheroo at the this. end. Man. Yeah. It's like waking up from a dream only to wake up from a dream Another again. dream. Holy shit. Uh, so Jenny drops the knife. Uh, Kane picks it up and pulls a stroller into the elevator. I guess this stroller has all the other kidnapped kids in it. Mm-hmm. And just laying side by side in there. Is this De Palma going? A stroller worked on that other one. Mm-hmm. Let me exactly <laughs> playing the hits, took, if you will. Yep, took the wrong thing. Uh, Nick Senior, he's got a gun and he's threatening Amy. 
so that's on the top floor of this hotel. We kind of pan down to the second floor. Cron, Kane, Cron, I don't want to nag here about the definition of a hotel at a motel. Sure. This is the latter, my friend. All right, so this is a motel yes, situation. Yes. Uh, Jack was staying it, in it's, a hotel. It's pretty important when people can drive through the air of the know. building. It's a motel. Like it's got it's got three floors though. I, I mot, our motel only has our hotel only has more than two. All right, two or three. Wait, what? <laughs> hotel is two floors. Hotel motel. Holiday Inn? I think a motel, the only thing that differentiates it is you can just pull your car up to the door of a motel. Mm-hmm. That's it? Yeah. A hotel, Generally, you yeah. have to, you have to like park and go into a building and then... They're all motels, guys. They're rip-offs. That's what they are. Jack was in a hotel, a nice fancy place. Yes. Nick Sr. is at a motel. A crappy, cheap motel. It's like when I went to school as a kid in Mississippi and then in Guam, all of the classrooms opened up outside. Like there were no hallways. So it was very weird when I came back to the States and I was like inside hallways and shit. Like you don't... Go ahead. And then they were also like, oh, by the way, your health class is going to be in a trailer outside of (laughs) the school. And I actually felt comfortable going to the health class. Like, oh, yeah, I'm outside. Yeah. every What school doesn't have the Annex trailer anymore? <laughs> uh, so on the floor below, we see Kane, who pushes out the stroller from the elevator with all the other kids on it. This kind of distracts the motel clerk. If I'm this stroller company, I want my name on this fucking side of this thing, right? <laughs> I just love yeah, these drunk Spanish five kidnapped kids. These <laughs> Spanish dudes. Yeah. I just love the drunk Spanish dudes. Uh, and then we basically pan down, and on the bottom floor of this motel, we can see uh, the cops pull up. They've arrived, and guys, they're kind of blocking in this sundial truck. <laughs> The cops get out. They tell Jack to wait in the car. Uh, But up above, Jack can see Amy, Jenny, and Nick Sr. Kane takes the elevator back up. And he, at this point, decides to stab Nick Sr., which causes him to drop Amy over the railing. As she's falling, Jack runs forward to catch Amy... The sundial truck is backing up. Jack catches Amy, and a stray bullet from Nick Sr.'s gun is fired, which hits the sundial perfectly, snapping off the tip of it. This prevents Jack from getting impaled to death. Uh, In all this commotion, Kane slash Carter is able to slip off unnoticed. Who wouldn't notice a 6'6 woman (laughs) barefoot walking out of the building full of cops? Wearing the wig that we know was stolen. (laughs) 
We cut back over to Jenny. This is after all the events have happened. She's explaining to her friend in the park who is just down with anything at this point. <laughs> Whatever crazy bullshit story spills out of her face. Jenny, bitch. You want a threesome? I'm down. <laughs> I mean, this lady's life probably sucks compared to Jenny's, though. Uh, but she's explaining to her everything that happened. The park uh, was Facebook, right? Yeah. This is before much. Facebook. Can you imagine how awful this friend would be now? You got vaccinated? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Thoughts and prayers. Liking uh, every photo. <laughs> Sorry. Jenny explains that Carter is still on the loose. They were never able to track him down. While she's talking to her friend, Amy runs off. Jenny finds Amy. She says that she saw Daddy. Jenny bends down to pick up Amy, and we brief, we briefly see a flash of Carter in drag behind her. Roll the credits, dudes. All right. Breezy. That was Brian De Palma's 1992 underrated classic, <laughs> Raising Cade. Guys, do you have some final thoughts on this thing? I'm going to defer to Dan here. Um, it's De Palma. That's, that's for sure. We got a lot going on here, especially in the first half. Uh, but, you know, good performances from uh, Mr. Lithgow. Uh, every, eh, everybody else around him is pretty good. But it's, it's a decent flick. It's good. It's definitely worth a watch. I'll say that. So, not bad. This is a bonkers flick. Um, whether that's a good bonkers or a bad bonkers, I don't know. Like I, it, it seems like it's made some by somebody who's just pushing through. You know, just like I gotta get this out. Um, yeah. I would I would like to share something. And I don't know okay. when when a great time is to do it, but I thought maybe I'd do it now before we um before we rate. Um this movie is not streaming anywhere uh for free mm-hmm. like on any of the subscriptions. Now, this was on Netflix for years. And that's where I originally watched it cuz you even said like Bones Raising Cane's on Netflix, check this shit out. Mm-hmm. And I do try to do that. If you guys I don't know if that's always reciprocated, but I do feel like if anytime you guys say like, "Hey, check this out," I do try to add that to the list. So I watched Raising Cane last year. When you pulled it last week for this, I was a little bummed. Like, fuck, I gotta pay for it. <laughs> now, my wife, she says we got this library subscription. If you tell me on Friday, I'll look up to see if I can get the DVD for you. Right. Mm-hmm. So I told her, hey, 
I got a rent raising cane. It's next to do. If you can get it from the library, cool, no big deal. Library on Tuesday says movie will be ready Thursday. I'm like, fuck it. So I just rent the movie Tuesday. I rent it. Today she texts me. She says, hey, I picked up your movie. It's a good thing that you rented it. And I went, what do you mean? Um, what she actually ordered from the library is not The Raising Cane by Brian De Palma. It is this PBS home video. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Um, so I'm holding this up to the gang here. It is a PBS home video for Raising Cane, exploring the inner lives of Ameri- is that, America's is- boys. Is it the book that it was kind of based off of? So this is hosted by Michael Thompson, PhD. I don't it know might if be. yeah, it might be. So you read the this back. Might be here. the real story. <laughs> yes. So this is what she brought home. America's boys are in trouble. Boys are doing worse in the classroom than ten years ago. They are unable to express their emotions. They are the most violent in the industrialized world. What is responsible for this behavior? From the public school system to the absence of strong male role models, boys face a number of obstacles. But what can we do to keep them from growing into men who are stoic, silent, and explosive? Uh, Honestly, stoic and silent, I would fucking love for the majority of people to be stoic and silent. Um, More prone to anger than to empathy. Raising Cain... Hosted by child psychologist Michael Thompson, Ph.D., and co-author of the best-selling book, Raising Cain, explores the emotional development of boys in America today. Yep. This this two-hour documentary provides surprising new research about boys' inner workings, dispelling a number of commonly held misconceptions, and highlights the innovative programs that are bringing out the best in boys. So I have not watched this yet. I don't have a year on here. I think it's like 2006-ish. So it might have been based on some book, but... That's the book that he kind of got his character's name, like Kane, from and all that. Okay. So. So needless to say, I will not be relying on the library resource for future movies. <laughs> Sounds I, like a bonus review is in the works. Yeah. <laughs> But it looks, it's got a boy on here. It looks like the boy from the YouTube boy album. I don't know, man. Are you sure that's not a childhood picture of you, Bones? It looks fucking close to it, doesn't it? Are you you Kane, dude? I might be Kane. I don't know. You might be talking to Kane right now. Holy shit. Oh, that's great. 360, bro. You did it, though. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, loosely based, I think, on that work from what I've read. Cool. When I was doing research, so. I can't believe this was based on anything besides a fever whatever dream. was yeah. rolling around in Brian De Palma's head. Loosely. <laughs> you got any more, uh, any more trivia for us, dude? Uh, not really. I think we covered everything. Uh, budget was twelve million. Uh, made it over thirty-seven million in uh, box office. How so. the f- smash hit, dude? How the so fuck did good. this cost twelve million dollars? 
He let's go. Let's go. Five checks, dude. Jesus Christ. De Palma was. um, He filmed it all in the area that he was living in at the time because the wife was pregnant at the time, so he wanted to be home every night. Was he in? I was going to say, was he in the motel? So (laughs) he kicked out. (laughs) But uh, what? So it's just fairly cheap. What is Let's it? just film where I'm living now. Mm-hmm. Living in the park. <laughs> That's now. easy. So he did. So he did all the park <laughs> stuff last, right? <laughs> Speckyard. But uh, and yeah, he needed a he needed something that would get him just some success because of the failures that he had. Casual mm-hmm. or what was it? Casualties of war. Casualties of war and then and bonfire then bonfires were, were both. Th- those two were right after each other, and then, yeah. and then raising Cain was after bonfire. Which I hear casualties was like his passion project that he always wanted to do. So, but I've never seen it. So, yeah, I've not watched that one either. But that was supposed to be his. That was going to be his like real movie, you know. After he had made these kind of thriller pictures, he wanted. He was really passionate about casualties, and it kind of bombed. So, but that's I wonder, about it. I, I think yeah. we covered everything else. Cool. Well, it's cool oh, when the actual director shows up, you know. I've got one little thing. So I watched this on the Blu-ray that I own, and there's a like a 30-minute interview with Lithgow. Um, and he, so one of the cops, the more like blonde-haired cop, because there's kind of a dark-haired one and a lighter-haired one. Uh, the lighter-haired one basically played, uh, like, any scene where Carter is talking to Kane, that guy would play the other role. So he was basically, like, the other half of the film that was never really on camera, you know? I got you. I got you. Yeah. Kind of like uh, James Gunn's brother. Mm-hmm. You know, like he always has him fill in to be, you know, whatever CGI character he's doing. Right. Matter of fact, I think that guy is in, uh, he's in Slither, which is James Gunn. Isn't he like the mayor or whatever? Like the drunk mayor in Slither? It's been, I don't know. A long time since Dude, I that's right Slither. up your fucking alley. Slither's good. <clears throat> Well, I think I have seen it, but it's yeah. like like Dan. It's been a number of years since I've watched Slither. Right on. Uh, you guys ready to rate this thing? Oh, I think so. Rate it. Rate it. Rate my box. All right, it's my movie, so one of you two better go first. I. I don't want to be an, an asshole. Can I get you to post the scores, the rankings? I've been thinking about this. Can you screen share? Oh yeah. The everybody's ratings. Cause I, I, I really do need that for this. You want like everybody's final rating or what we do for like rate uh, my letterbox? Final ratings. So if I could just see the big sheet, there's, there's okay. really just one chunk that I need to kind of look at. For this, it's really just one specific person that we're trying to nail. So, uh, as we know, I am behind in these rate by rate my letterbox points. So, I got to take this seriously. 
you got it here? Yes, I, I can see, see that. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dan, 2.5, Cron 4. I got Cron at a 4.5. I got Bones at a 2.5. I'm going to go with Bones... 2.5, 2.5, Dan, 3. Fellas, I had given this a 3 last year upon first watch. I thought, wow, that's a little, that was a little bonkers. That's a little fun. I'll watch that again someday. Um, watching it again for this podcast was kind of rough. For some reason, just like every little issue just rose to the top. So every five minutes, there was like, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? So about halfway through this movie, I realized, oh, this is obvious that this is the first draft of the script, right? Um, then doing a little bit of research, reading about the super fan that caught wind that De Palma regretted the way that he cut it and thought that Jenny should be first and all of that. It sort of filled in like, oh, yes, that's how this is. Because as soon as this movie starts, it's odd. The timing is just odd. You're Where is the first 15 minutes of this movie? Um, I think it's bonkers, fun. It's still worth a watch. But I got to go 2.5. So, you both got me. Gentlemen, we asked the question, will I ever watch this again every time we do this? Yes, I would watch this again. Last year, I rated this a 3.0, and unfortunately, I have to jump it up to a 3.5. Fuck. In the butt. Because I enjoyed it even more than what I did when I watched it last year. Damn it. I know. That's all right. It's the name of the game. I think the second watch was, I don't know, I think it helped more to kind of really. That's it's so odd. I'll talk about it more. But now it's a game of point fives right here, huh? All right, guys. Uh, you guys know I love Raising Kane. Like, <laughs> this is such a great movie. Um, every time I've watched this, I've rated it a 4.5. Um, I'm going to stick with 4.5. Here's the thing about Raising Cain is, um, if someone that I worked with came up to me and said, Hey Kyle, you're into movies. What movie should I watch? I would not tell them to watch Raising Cain. (laughs) I would tell them to watch a lot of more classically good films um but if i met someone that had seen all the movies that i recommended 
somebody that was really into film, I would say you should watch Raising Cain. This is like an upper tier of fandom. I mean, there are problems with this movie. It's not the greatest thing in the world. But this is a highly entertaining movie to me. I love all the soap opera feel in the middle of it. I love how bonkers this movie gets. Um, I don't know. This thing just hits a lot of sweet spots for me. I can't go up to a full five. Like, I cannot put this on the same level as, like, 2001, A Space Odyssey or something. But this is an achievement in and of itself. This is um, maybe the most De Palma, De Palma film I've ever watched. This is not his best film, but it is the most excessive in terms of what he is into and what he enjoys in filmmaking. So I love this movie. I think it's great. I'm going to give it a 4.5 all day. Gosh. It's strange in the fact that he knew he was coming off two stinkers. And this is what he's like, all right, I need like a hit. <laughs> well, see, I almost feel like he was coming off two sneak stinkers. He probably saw his budget dwindling in front of him. And I think this might have been his last like Hollywood movie before he just said fuck it and moved off. Um so I think he just kind of went out being like, I'm just going to do it the way I would do it. You know, like I'm going to go balls to the wall and give him full De Palma. And that'll be my last like Hollywood picture. I went out the right way, you know? Yeah. I, If I may, this is a weird thing where I can totally understand where your 4.5 comes from because of the joy that you get from it mm-hmm. while simultaneously feeling 100% confident in my 2.5 and knowing that you should like also respect that which is oh, an inter- sure. which is an interesting thing about the movie but for the last few days I have genuinely like I was like he loves this so much I'm going to feel so bad because I'm bringing it down a little, like on the second watch, I'm like, it's not as fun this time. Yeah. Like I'm, because like Dan, like you said, you always ask, will I watch this again? And I always try to ask, does this thing succeed in doing what it's trying to set out to do? And I think from Kyle's perspective, he does nail what he's trying to do. And from my perspective, it's like, no, there's like way too many. And if, if I were to see a cut that was different, which was what maybe he originally wrote, which is Jenny Moore at the front and leads into that, maybe my score would be different. But that second viewing, I was like, why does this feel like half of a movie? And it really I mean, is because he just jumps to like, oh, here's this person. Let's dump expedition exposition on them. Like everything is mm-hmm. so perfectly placed. There's never a... Like anytime there's a sense of tension, it's like there's always something right there to alleviate it and move you forward. Whether it's a person to talk to or the same exact knife or a character who needs this, like it It's crazy that he was able to take the front part of the movie, put it in the middle, and everything still worked. 
in the in the mm-hmm. in the flow of everything. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I totally respect the two point five, and I guess that that was almost kind of the point I was trying to get to of like. If someone that doesn't watch movies asked me what a good movie was, I could give them a list of 10 things. This would not be on it. But it's kind of like, you know, if you've already seen, like, all the movies that everyone agrees is a good movie, then to me, this is kind of like, well, I really like this. Like, I don't think everyone is going to like this. But Mm -hmm. to me, this movie is really good. I mean, I would put this in the same camp as, like... um, I don't know, like Total Recall or something, where it's really going to make somebody's day to see that film, and other people might be like, ah, it's okay. You know, it's like, I don't ever have to watch it again. It's just kind of, it was a sci-fi movie, whatever. But I think there are certain movies that are kind of like that, where, you know, for whatever reason, people will really get attached to them, and some people don't. The original Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Which, for the life of me, I cannot. I'm like, okay, great. Right. 2049 fucking nails it. And I feel like I'm an asshole for saying that. No, you're not. But the original totally Blade Runner, agree. I'm like, okay, it's good. It ain't the greatest fucking thing. And then 2049, I'm like, this fuck awesome. Dude. Yeah, I mean, if I Denny. recommended this movie to someone and they said i hated this movie i would think that's understandable Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i get it i get that this is not a movie for everyone i I feel like this is kind of on the same level as like repo man like there's gonna be some people that are like that's fucking awesome and there's gonna be some people that are like yeah it was cool but it's kind of weird yeah that might that might be a better pick than me saying total recall like that is probably more a movie that is kind of in line with what I feel about this versus what other people feel about it. Yeah. And, but I'm in a weird position because I love repo man. Like that one Mm -hmm. works for me. So I'm trying to think of what is something that I'm like, that I would tell you, Oh, this is fucking great. If you like this sort of thing or you don't necessarily need to like it. It just hits perfect. Yeah. Um, it's something to think about. Like maybe I'll bring this up. So, and of course I'm just sensitive because anytime I bring a movie or I'm like, this is really good. Right. And you guys are like, nah, I get all bent out of shape. So, but all right, man. Uh, did anybody get the scores for rate my Letterboxd here? I did. Yeah. So Dan is just fucking crushing it on this season. Can we just start calling these seasons for the sake of? Sure. Okay. Uh, so Dan got a two. <laughs> I ended up with a point five. <laughs> Man, I was like, Dan is either a three or a two point five, and I was, I, the, it's like, there's no way he's a three point fucking five. God damn it! All right. Uh, and Cron, you ended up with a one point five. All right, scores here would be me with 11 points, Bones with 8.5, Dan with 12. Statistically speaking, Dan, you're... you're... Kron might catch you, but there's no way I'm coming up from the bottom, so it's it's a a two-guy game here. Uh, One last thing we need to deal with, which is... 
Right now, Raising Cane would be at number six on the list with an average score from us of 3.5. It is tied with Dead Heat, which is number five, which also has a 3.5. I think this is an easy decision for me, and I think it's an easy decision for Bones. So we really just need Dan's opinion here. One of them had a hot dog. If I'm going to the theater and Raising Cane is playing and Dead Heat is playing, we know what it is. We know what it is. I think I'm going with Dead Heat. Whoa! (laughs) Holy shit! That's a little more fun, I guess. Okay. I hope that doesn't come off as, like, in your face. It's more of, like, shocked, so... It was in your wow. face. No, no, not at all. Dude, it's... I, I'm dead serious when I say I completely understand <laughs> if somebody picks any movie dude, over this. Dude, this is such a humble episode, man. Everybody's been just so <laughs> humble. Blessed, I mean, dude. Hashtag blessed. I love this movie. Shut like, the fuck up. <laughs> but if you don't love it, I get it. <laughs> and But in the same stroke, I fucking get why you love it so mm-hmm. all right let's get out of here man i gotta piss yeah me too all right uh this was the five day rentals episode of raising cane by brian de palma from 1992 uh we're gonna go take a piss shower with bones and we'll be back where he'll tell us what movie he's selecting for mental issues there's nothing wrong with peeing in a shower i'll go to the same place saving water crash and burn crash and burn Buddies forever. In the shower, like it should still be while the water's on. Just for the record, just for the record, wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Uh, guys, people, ladies, things, guys, guys. You pee on your you pee on your leg and then you wash it off with the water. Should you not? You pee pee on your leg. What's wrong with you? What are you doing? You pissing. On both legs. It's so satisfying. Feet. Save your piss for one later. Your feet are cold. You think... Warm you up. Think, you think Nate hands likes a piss-covered foot? Yeah, of course. Loves it. It's his favorite. Guys, people. We're smack dab. This is the hardest... I think this is the hardest spot to be in, which is the second position... In a category, I think that dying, I'm dying over here. I think that third position, fucking dying. Third position, 
is a good one because then you can kind of balance off the other two. That second one, you're going, what's coming up behind me? And how good was the one before me? And the first one was pretty good. This is a good overall category, I think, mental issues. Um, and again, not to belittle anything, Dan, thank you for uh, the information uh, that you listed at the top of this episode. But I am up. When I thought about mental issues, I thought about my own things that I have. I thought about anxiety. I thought about pressures and some mid-level PTSD that is we'll talk about later. You know, that's that shit sort of comes up. So I started to think about like what did I have in my bank of flicks that I could maybe not necessarily squeeze in, but would work. And I had this movie. I almost used it before, but I thought, I was like, no, let's save it. Let's hold back. Let's hold back on this one. And I think it's going to work for this guy. We're going to go, we're going to stick in the same year. We're going 1992. Wow. We're bringing a guy that, this, this is a good time to bring him in. We're doing Rutger Hauer, all right, to bring up Blade Runner again. We're doing a movie... Directed by Tony Malum. This is called Split Second. He's seen the future. Now he has to kill it. In a flooded future London, Detective Harley Stone, Rutger Hauer, hunts a serial killer who who has murdered his partner and has haunted him ever since. He soon discovers what he is hunting might not be human. So... Not necessarily like a, a real psychiatric mental issue, but obviously there's some mental angst and anxiety with being a hardened detective in a future London. Um, I'm pretty excited for this. It is streaming currently on Amazon Prime, which was another deciding factor. I have watched a trailer for this a few times. I am really excited for it who is the director uh tony malam m-a-y-l-a-m the burning (laughs) do not have a run time on this currently but i think it's three hours like in that 90 minute range which is like sweet Definitely check out a trailer for this. Or just go in dry. Have either of you seen this before? No, I think when I was looking through Amazon, it popped up on my, like, movies we think you'll enjoy. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. I've never seen this movie. We got a hard R, baby. We got an hour and 30 minutes. We also got uh, Kim Cattrall. From uh, nice. Sex in the City and Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. I think we might get some shower boobage when I was looking. Not that that is a deciding factor, but <laughs> one does try to stick to his audience. But a pro nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited. I do think that it it's not necessarily a big stretch, but I was trying to lean more. I was like, what? what do I feel anxiety or whatever? And this was like kind of in my notes of movies, like of what it could connect to. It's like, okay, cool. So 
1992 pretty hard here. Mm-hmm. So uh, come back next week. We'll dissect split second, minute by minute. <laughs> Get it? Second by second. Oh, yeah. That'd be too long. Please it's explain too, every second of too, the film. It's too much. We're doing a frame by frame. <laughs> Can we do a Star Wars minute for a split second? Split second no. seconds. It's too much, dude. Nah, dude. You're doing it all wrong. You split second commentary. It's too long. It's ironic. Uh, we decided we're going to do, uh, by the time you're hearing this, our Halloween episode should be coming out. Right? If I'm doing my math correctly. Roughly about the time you're hearing this, they uh, will be covering Halloween kills. Yeah, yeah I think so. Season of the Witch, baby. <laughs> uh, so the the one topic I was going to ask you, you fellas, today, um, Green Knight and Black Widow, they were my first theater ventures back, but you know, studios are getting a little bit more confident. Disney has since announced that you know all of its releases for the rest of the year will be theater only. We got no uh, no time to die, which I'm excited for. A few other things. Are there? Are you guys gonna be jumping out this holiday season for anything specific? We may not necessarily cover it on the show, but are you excited to get back to the theater? Dune, baby. Oh, Denny. Got to see it on the big screen. That's your number one. You think you'll get a sequel? Uh, I hear it's open for one, but tune. I, don't know. I think he needs to move on. Tune. You did Blade Runner with, which is what he wanted to do, twenty forty nine, and then you, from what I hear, made what Dune should have been. I guess. So yeah, I mean, you ain't got nothing else to prove. Come on. But, but my, I mean, do you think it'll do well enough that they'll give him? Like, I mean, are you going to be frustrated when you're like, well, that's half the story? There's like six fucking books. <laughs> so, I don't know. I've tried to read Dune, what, six times? I don't know. It's a hard read. I never made it I, through I, it. I couldn't finish it either. But I, I, I started it three different times. I can't tell time, so... Might be a problem. So. If you can't tell time, you should have liked raising Kane more. <laughs> what a movie that's like, also uh, obsessed with and completely disregards time. <laughs> it's like Rick and Morty. Um, uh, I was gonna say like Dark Tower, the Dark Tower series. That was a book that I've started six times and just couldn't do. And everybody says like, just get to the third book. Like, dude, it's not a TV show. It's a fucking book. Like, you're talking several weeks versus a few hours. So, Kron, you got anything you're looking forward to? No. <laughs> Unless it's an old movie that's playing at the Bell Court that's already been out for right. 30 years. Um, I can't think of any new movies I'm excited to see. You're not going to watch, like, the new Wes Anderson it comes out in October. Okay, yeah, the new, uh, yeah, whatever that one's called. The 
French, Bombardier Squad or whatever. The French Dispatch. <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty good. I'll, I'll probably go try to check that out. Come on, man. I like Wes Anderson. I like his movies. I know. If there was a movie that was coming out in theaters I was excited for, that seems like a front runner to me. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, Dune is the type of movie that 10 years ago I would have busted a nut over. Like, holy shit. And then 20 years ago, the 20 years ago, no time to die. No time to die. You're busted. I'm not busting. No, I'm you're busting. I'm gonna. I trust doom, Denny, so I'm doom, gonna go doom, watch doom, what Denny does. Doom, doom. Ah, doom, doom, doom. I mean, Sicario, Prisoners, Arrival. I, Prisoners, I still think is, is like enemy. The fact that I mean, Prisoners isn't a bigger movie is fucking crazy. That's like on Silence of the Lambs level to me. Sicario's I mean, good, but I think Sicario is is overrated compared to prisoners in 2049 i'll go watch what he puts out i'll watch yeah. it in the theater it's like tarantino well We're he demands tarantino yeah well hopefully once tarantino retires after his next movie you know denny becomes that guy you know i hope there's somebody to f- sort of fill that void I feel like Wes Anderson's going to keep going, but statistically speaking, he's going to lose. He's going to trip over, you know, and Dan's fucking prophecies will, will finally come true. Oh, wait, I, I thought of one. Uh, Licorice Pizza, the new PTA movie. There you go. It's like December, bro. What about uh, yeah. <laughs> Wind's Nightmare Alley? I watched the trailer I, I had a yesterday. friend drop the trailer to me that yesterday, and I thought, well, there's a guy who's got a blank check for sure, right? Del Toro. It looked terrible. Guy makes money and he won an Oscar, so. About a fish having sex with a woman. Talk about a movie I didn't need to see. His eye. <laughs> Talk about a movie that didn't need to win Best Picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was uh, the five-day rentals, guys, talking... Uh, theater talk um come back next week we'll, we'll we'll edit theater talk we're trying to sell the show we're trying to sell theater talk mm-hmm. to our local news affiliate yeah cw we're we're trying to get picked up in print media so <laughs> in the back of your scholastic um magazines theater talk mm-hmm. the five-day rentals guys anyway let's get out of here Come back next week for Rutger Hauer and Split Second. It's a bones pick, so you know there's going to be an action element to it. Chasing that 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 dead heat dragon. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so for Kron and uh, Dan the Laundry Man, I've been Bones. Guys, crash and burn. Crash and burn. Buddies forever, y'all.